Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. So Vic, do you think you might have ADHD? Well, listeners keep emailing me, telling me that they think I do, so probably. Mind you, listeners also email us saying we talk too much about your mum's feet. So what do they know? Yeah, fair enough. I honestly had no idea about the connection between overdrinking and ADHD until we started this podcast. About 40% of people that have had any sort of drinking issues also apparently have ADHD. Whenever we chat to ex-drinkers, this comes up more than you'd believe. If you have ADHD or suspect you might, or just want to learn about this link, then we would encourage you to check out the I Have ADHD podcast. It's the place where adults with ADHD find research-based information, validation and tons of support. This is the best way to feel less alone and hear some of the answers to the questions you've been sitting with for too long. You'll hear detailed descriptions of what it means to have ADHD and enjoy interviews with the foremost experts in the industry so that you don't have to read those ADHD books that are collecting dust on your shelf. Yeah. Listen to the I Have ADHD podcast and learn how ADHD affects every aspect of your life. From the boardroom to the bedroom. In the podcast, you'll also hear about their ADHD coaching program, which is called Focused. Focused is made up of three pillars, courses, coaching and community. It is designed to help you build your own self-improvement program and is perfect for the ADHD brain. And you can get $50 off the course just by using the code SOBER, S-O-B-E-R. So if you're tired of feeling stuck and don't know where to start, listen to the I Have ADHD podcast. The kettle's boiled, Vic. Great. Perfect timing. Just a dash of milk for me, please, mate. Here you go. Should we get started, then? Have you ever woken up on a Sunday morning and said, I'm never drinking again, and then found yourself waving 50 bucks at a barman by happy hour? Are you wondering why everyone else can stop at one, while you head to a dodgy after-party with a weird bloke called Disco Dave? If so, it might be time to take a deeper look at your relationship with your reliable social crutch, alcohol. On each episode, we'll investigate our own dysfunctional dealings with booze and find out if it's possible to stop this deeply ingrained habit before things get too messy. Yep, we're going to open up a shame shed of humiliating drinking stories to help you understand why waking up from a booze coma each weekend with a kebab sticking out of your top pocket might actually be negatively impacting your health. Hamish and I are here to delve into what it's like being sober. An unwanted warts and all look into why giving up those cheeky pints or putting down those mummy wines will make you feel happier, help your anxiety and mental health and turn you into the most sparkly, authentic version of you. Won't that mean I become boring though, Vic? Well, Hamish, we'll just have to wait and see. I'm Victoria Vanstone. I'm Hamish Adams-Cairns. And this is Sober Awkward. any Vera's? Lovely. Is that an e-mask you're wearing? Charlie says, always tell your mummy before you go off somewhere. What are you talking about, Vic? Na, 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 Okay. I know that one. Oh, yeah, one. Na, 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 Yes. That, I don't know what you're talking about the first two there. I'm taking, are you not, you don't know about easy good, easy good, is Ebenezer good? No. It was by the shame and Hamish. Before your time, I'm talking early 90s house music here. These are chart toppers, these, Hamish, back in the day. You'd have your e-mask, you'd have your feeler trainers on, and everyone be... It was on top of the pops, so it was quite mainstream. Yeah. The rave culture was actually really mainstream in the end. I think it started in the Hacienda, but then it was like all on top of the pops and then in the top 40. That's when it got uncool. I've hated house music since I was born in 1990, I reckon. I reckon even as a baby I'd have gone... This is a bit repetitive, isn't it? It's probably because your mum was listening to it in your in the womb. Only classical music. I, I didn't even know. <laughs> that is so predictable. I didn't even know that there was music that wasn't classical music until I was about eight, eight or nine. <laughs> That's almost child abuse. It's the only radio station, Classical FM, it's all, all day on that, he at home and in the car. He didn't know that the Beatles existed. No. I think my, my like breaking mummy, out. Mummy, can you put Mozart on again? That's my favourite. <laughs> I think the first song that I heard that wasn't um, classical music was either 
Spice Girls yeah. or I'm Blue, David. Da, 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 that's like that's my a good first one. song that I remember. That is absolutely hilarious, yeah. Hamish. Yeah. Oh, actually, Disney. I must have known there was Disney. It's probably just Disney and classical music <laughs> until I was eight or nine. Oh, the sheltered life of <laughs> yeah. Hamish Adams Cairns. Yeah. I sort of love it that your parents did that. I did have a friend whose dad only played Radio 2 in the car or Radio 4. I mean, he used to get so annoyed because we wanted Radio 1 on. Yeah, so, yeah. yes, I know that repressed feeling. Just the Archers when you're trying to the get archers. ready for a night out. Yeah. <laughs> Quick, stick the archers on. Oh, I bet there's a house version of the archers. Oh, for yeah. sure, for yeah. sure. We'll find it. Yeah, so today I'm zipping up my boots. I'm going back to my roots home. Whether it's drum and bass, French house, disco, Latin, rock and roll, emo, metal, folk or pop, whether you liked pubs, clubs, ballrooms or house parties, there's a high chance you've had a run-in with our old party makers and breakers drugs. Ah yes, the drug episode Vic. I wondered when this episode was going to come out. Will it be a hard pill to swallow or a trip down memory lane for you? Who knows? The real question is, is it time to ditch the number of the dealer Vic? Actually, hey, I bought some shoes from a drug dealer yesterday. I don't know what he laced them with, but I've been tripping all day. That's fantastic. (laughs) I think on my phone it was called Drugless. I think, I can't remember if his the actual name. name was Douglas or Douglas. Yeah. We used to say that to a post box every time we drove past. Take me to your dealer. <laughs> Were you high? Probably, yeah. yeah. I've actually been wanting to do an episode about this for absolutely ages. But my parents listened to the podcast and I was feeling a bit anxious about sharing my history on here. So I've decided to ask them to miss this one out along with my mother-in-law. I don't know why taking ease at the weekend is really any worse than downing five pints of Stella every Friday night or why I feel more nervous about talking about this. But that's what we want to find out. And also, I want to dig into this term Cali Sober, which is something that keeps popping up on my Instagram feed. That's right. Today we want to discuss Cali Sober, the need to feel more happy in regards to recreational drug use and discuss if being 100% sober from all drugs is the best option for you. This podcast, of course, is based around our own knowledge of this topic. For me, total abstinence from all mind-altering substances works. But I'm not going to tell you what to do. But what we will do is highlight the dangers having a dabble poses when you're sober. So whether it's blotter, base, billy blow, beans, bath salts or bud, we're going to try and work out why sober sober is better for you than Cali sober. People ask us questions all the time, like, I've given up drinking, but is a couple of lines of Coke okay? Or, I've been sober for a year and I'm thinking of taking a line of MDMA at a festival next weekend. What do you think, Vic? And actually, we find it really hard to respond. So I'm sorry for anyone that's emailed us and we haven't responded to that. That is not our question to answer. We are not the people to come to in that situation. No. We cannot tell you to do or don't do drugs. That's not our place. As your parents. As your parents, yeah. 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 CC your parents into those emails. (laughs) Yes. So today we'll try to give you an unbiased look at what recreational drugs do, why humans take them, and if it really is better to just say no. So you wouldn't know really, Hamish, because you're young, younger than me. I know Just Say No. Oh, you know the Just Say No campaign from Grange Hill? I don't know where it's from. But it's I from know. Grange Hill. It? Yes, yeah. Just say no. In it's my a classic. Head, I was thinking, is it from Biker Grove? I think, no, no. It was from Grange Hill. It was, I think his name was Ziggy or Zamo or something. Yeah, and it was just a controversial topic in the mid eighties. Just say no. Just say no. Yeah. Yep. So, dear sober awkward whistle posse, we want you to finish this podcast with a clear understanding of why just doing you and being a hundred percent drug free is better than sitting in a nightclub toilet with your eyes rolling in the back of your skull, gurning like a horse. Nay, bother, Vic. Very unstable, Haim. I mean, there are so many jo- <laughs> horse jokes that we could have in this one, but why the long face, Hamish? My favourite bit about reading the jokes that you write is not the reciting them on the podcast. It's actually just imagining you. Like huddled over your laptop, typing away, a little horse joke pumps in and you giggle to yourself. There's no one else in the room. You giggle to yourself. Oh, I can't say that on the podcast. I know. That's yeah. so, I do. Yeah, you're exactly right. And it's funny. I do that a lot because I spend a lot of time at home on my own when the kids are at school or are at kindy and I do a lot of writing. So I'm often trying to think up jokes. So it's actually, mm. I spend a lot of my day doing that. Just thinking of puns. Yeah, just thinking yeah. of puns and laughing to myself in a room on my own. Yeah. It's very odd. Yeah, so let's start and find out what this term Cali Sober is. Cali Sober means California Sober. 
California sober is a term typically used to describe people who decide to quit consuming drugs and alcohol with a few exceptions. While everyone interprets this lifestyle choice differently, marijuana is the most commonly cited acceptable substance for someone who considers themselves California sober. Some people expand this definition to include psychedelic drugs such as psilocybin, aka magic mushrooms, LSD and ayahuasca, but then it also goes on to MDMA and cocaine as well. So this term keeps popping up, Hamish. Um, there's a few accounts on Instagram that are called Cali Sober. So look them up and you can find out a bit more what it's about. Mm-hmm. It is actually really fascinating and, and I don't really have an opinion on it, but I do want to find out more about it. Mm-hmm. Would you go off to the Amazon and puke your ego onto the lap of a shaman, Hamish? Well, we're talking about ayahuasca here. I think I think I'm right in saying that ayahuasca isn't illegal. Although I want to talk later about this whole legal and illegal thing. Yeah. Um, I think I would do ayahuasca only mm. because I've got loads of friends who has, and it has totally changed their lives. Mm. Um, and I'm curious to know what that is. So I'm sure people also have awful experiences on it, uh, but because it's not illegal you do it in like a safe environment with a professional Mm. i think i'd like to do it although logistically i have a little baby i don't think there's any way that i can do it for like years i might do it in my in my retirement for me it's risky like anything that we're going to talk about today i find risky and that's where we're going to be a bit good cop bad cop again here Mm -hmm. today because we're going to talk about different views of this so we try and cover the opinion of everybody out there which of course is hard so don't email us if we if we offend you in some way but i just think i've seen news articles of people going to south america to do ayahuasca people like tech billionaires do it and stuff don't they and they don't come back from it it's like a trip wander off into the amazon Mm. jungle and they never come back and they're mentally ill afterwards Mm -hmm. and you've got a young child you can't take that risk if i said to you hamish like now i've got ayahuasca and i'm going to send you off to the jungle in the amazon i'm going to pay for the whole trip would you do it no no why well, there's no way I get that past Liz. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> She'll be like, what? I'm coming too. Yeah. But would you do it though? Would you do the drug um, with your son having no, a son? No, 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 see. It's about doing a bungee jump now, yeah, isn't it? It's yeah, like, it's kind of like you don't want to put yourself at risk, especially when you have children. And I think that's what we're going to talk a lot about today is whether it's worth the risk. Yeah. Actually, I'd also be worried that you wouldn't come back and you'd probably come back with a small parasite living in your body. Sounds quite nice. Yeah. Wouldn't be the first time. Let's begin by giving you a brief overview of our own party drug use. Now, I know you were not much of a dabbler, Hamish. Why was that? Yeah, I wasn't big into it. And I I sort of, I'm slightly concerned to even talk about it, only because I think of like people whose careers I like. So in England, Greg James or here Hamish and Andy, I'm like, everyone probably knows that they've done drugs but they're not talking about it. No, of you know? course, yeah. Or like even Ed Sheeran, you know, he implies that he's done drugs. He talks about it in some of his lyrics, but he doesn't outright say yes or no. Yeah, bad so habits. Sort of, yeah, bad yeah. habits. <laughs> yeah. does lean towards the idea that he had a problem. Yeah. So I think that's sort of how I feel about talking about drugs publicly, even though I know, really, it's only if you want to be like prime minister or president that they ask, have you done drugs? And then it becomes a big story. Oh, Barack yeah. Obama smoked weed at college. Yeah. So I sort of feel uncomfortable talking about it in the way that you do with your parents. But I also see the other side of the coin, which is there shouldn't really be a stigma, you know, and that's why where it comes to this illegal and legal thing. Everyone drinks loads of alcohol, Mm. but it's okay to talk about it. It's okay to champion it. It's okay for it to be on TV. But if you did the same with cocaine, it is like you are a bad guy. Mm. So I think and actually I think when you do give up alcohol, you become more aware of the fact it's kind of weird that alcohol is legal which we'll talk about later I think your whole perception of legal and illegal drugs and whoever makes the rules around that can become a bit skew if yeah it's like that's okay well that's not but I'm still going to do it but it has to be kept a secret absolutely and then there's of course with any secret shame runs alongside it Mm, for sure so I kind of see that I should talk about it as well but I think for me like you alluded to I was bad at doing drugs everyone around me did drugs I don't know if you grew up in a similar circle of friends or still have a similar circle of friends now but basically everyone I know was doing them you would have been very much the odd one out if you never ever did it but I wasn't good at doing them so Mm. which sort of helped me just not do them very much or very often good I feel like where can I start with this so I guess most people sort of started doing them on their gap years and it's pretty tame you're smoking the occasional joint maybe people got into ripping bongs at uni I have never been able to do it I've literally never ever done it without coughing or throwing up 
So that's helpful if you're very bad at very it. Very helpful. Very good, yeah. Mm. Also, if you throw up after one beer, you're probably not going to drink beer that often. Yeah. I was the equivalent of throwing up after one beer on drugs. Okay. So that, that's probably, I agree with you, that's probably helped you yeah. never have any problems with it. For sure. I think, I can understand why people do it around house music. You like house music. Yeah. I found house music so dull. If anyone wants to do drugs to listen to house music, I at least understand where they're coming from. Yeah, you probably have to take Being drugs, completely yeah. sober in that environment is unbearable. So I understand don't, that. Don't say that, Hamish, because we're doing it soon. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but Fat Boy Slim doesn't care. It's always going to be is good. Is Fat Boy Slim house music? Yes, of course it is. Well, it's, oh, see, I like Fat Boy Slim. It's big beat, really, isn't it? That's, that's how it's described. I like Fat Boy Slim, but yeah. I don't like house music. Maybe that's an oxymoron. I've always been very aware of privilege. And I eventually had a day when I realised, who can afford these drugs? Mm. So looking around, everyone's doing coke. And I was like, I definitely can't afford to do coke. Mm. Like Coke in England was like 80 quid a gram. Here it's $300 a gram. I was like, I, I can't justify this. No. So I was like, I don't want to be the person. I never earned a lot of money. And I was like, I don't want to be the person that spends even a little bit of my money or a big percentage of it on drugs. Yeah. I, I saw it as like everyone doing drugs is privileged or spoiled or like rich beyond their means. I, I, I had very like negative perception of what people that could afford drugs you got to get friends that take drugs. That's what I used to do. And that was freebie drugs then. Well, that's part of it. I was so terrified of picking up from drug dealers mm. I was like I can't I don't oh, yeah. deal with that would, it, it I'm just in my head. you know in the way that if you swim in the ocean you imagine jaws coming up at you yeah if I was ever part of like the pickup, I was just imagining like coppers doing laps going, oh, they look a bit dodgy. Like, the similar sort oh, of like catastrophizing. It's so good that you were conscious of that though. Like I just, just was, I just didn't care. Like, mm-hmm. you were, it's good to be scared because yeah. it is scary, some of it. Yeah. And I also think that over like my 20s, like my friendship groups approach to drugs changed. So initially it would be, hey, we're going to a nightclub, we'll do them because yeah. it, enhances the nightclub experience i sort of like okay i can i can see that when it got to the stage of like it's tuesday everyone's in the pub yes. why not yeah. or it's saturday and we're at a wedding boring I, that's why i never really like house parties like, if you want to do drugs at a club and it served a purpose i could understand it yeah house parties just people sitting on your lounge just like snorting coke on your yeah. kitchen table i was like i never enjoyed house parties i guess that's when it's getting too much isn't yeah. it it's like you enjoyed it in the nightclub maybe we'll enjoy it at the house party or maybe we'll enjoy it at the pub on a tuesday night mm. and i think that's again the risk it starts to get more and more often and you end up with an addiction issue. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I was lucky and I didn't do it often because I was bad at it and I was kind of afraid of it, I suppose. I wasn't afraid of it. Mm. I was the opposite. I was not afraid of anything, which is to my downfall, really, mm-hmm. Hamish, because I wasn't scared. I was invincible in my early teens and, and that was just one extra thing that was going to add to my rebellion. I was happy to drop, dab, sniff or bomb anything from a very young age. What, what age? Uh, I would say I did my first E when I was 14. So I went to an illegal rave mm. in Reading and I did a pill and I loved it and I felt suddenly at one with everybody. Mm. I was in a room full of robots and lasers and amazing music with some really good mates. And it was like your classic halcyon days of raving. Yeah. So I do have good memories of that one time. Yeah. But I think then it became so frequent that it lost its buzz, that it lost its kind of the clarity and the enjoyment of it because I just wanted to do it more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And that is the problem with me with anything is that if I enjoy something, I want more of it. Yeah. That is addiction right there. So was your first drug that you tried ecstasy? It wasn't even like a joint or something less No, I think it was ecstasy first. I think I did LSD. I've written a big chapter in my book about both of these experiences Mm. because they're very relevant to my behaviour with alcohol. Yeah, and I did LSD and I ended up having a really horrible trip and I actually never did that again. But I was always up for trying everything, doing everything my parents didn't want me to do Mm -hmm. because that was kind of my plan. I was the people pleaser. I had a group of friends that were doing it. I I think your group of friends, like you mentioned, 
has massive impact when mm. you're a young kid. You just want to do what everybody else is doing. And I was a sheep. I just followed the herd, which I, I wish I hadn't been like that, actually, Hamish, because it ended up causing me all sorts of issues. And the problem was with alcohol, it was like fuel to the fire because I'd have a few beers and then my inhibitions would go and I'd be happy to take anything off anybody. Mm -hmm. And that was risky behaviour in itself. The rave scene for me, I was in that perfect age. I was 14, 15. There was illegal raves in Oxford all going on around me. You'd just phone a number from a petrol station, go and meet a group of cars. My sister used to drive her little Peugeot and would go and find an, an illegal rave in a farmer's field somewhere. It was it was all so exciting at that mm -hmm. stage. It hadn't really happened before. Mm -hmm. But of course, it involved drugs. I only actually went to one illegal rave in the end that was that my parents did find out about. So instead, I used to go up to the Channel Club or Strawberry Sundays or the Vauxhall Tavern. Like these were all the classic ravey clubs up in London. I was really young and really impressionable and would take anything that someone handed to me. There was always guys that was sort of sneaking amongst the crowd offering whiz and and coke and I found it all really exciting until it wasn't yeah. I guess it sounds like we were both on very different pages on this one Hamish due to some bad experiences at school and because I had no direction I was out to embrace oblivion yeah it sounds like you were more aware of the ups and I was more aware of the downs I was prepared to deal with the downs because I enjoyed the ups so much. I knew there was downsides, but I never knew that I'd get anxiety or that I'd feel mm. mentally ill afterwards. I was like, well, I can have a come down and smoke a spliff in something the back of someone's Cortina. And that's all right. It's kind of a giggly thing that I do with my mates. There's, there's no repercussions. Yeah. But it took the drug intake to escalate for me to actually feel all the downsides it's a bit like alcohol you know if somebody had said to you at 16 17 hey you know drug juice might lead to anxiety you might piss yeah. off i'm just having a party you wouldn't have listened it's one of those things that i had to experience it to be where i am today a hundred percent i had to know what drugs did to me to be able to know that they were bad for me mm -hmm. yeah Let's have a little chat about our good experiences. People take drugs for all sorts of reasons, mostly to feel good or better than they feel in their day-to-day -day life. Hamish, could you see why people took drugs back in the day? Well, like I mentioned, I can see why people take it at house music gigs. Yep. Just get through it. Just <laughs> get through the music. Worst music in the world. Do you remember that one? Josh Wink. That's literally how it went. Really? Yeah, <laughs> awful. I'll just be standing next to a speaker stomping. Yeah. Head in the speaker yeah. often, yeah. <laughs> awful. I guess one, one of the reasons that people do take them, and I don't know if this is a... I don't even think this is a British thing, but people are not good at opening up and expressing love or saying things that they feel. I, I'm saying it's a British thing. I think that's just a world thing. I think humans are generally more reluctant to, to be gooey. And on drugs, those inhibitions fall away. You know, so you'd true. Say, oh, you love everyone, let alone yeah. your best friend who's sitting with you. Yeah. And that is a nice environment to be in. I think that is actually... And I don't think that this is necessarily to do with drugs, but I love music festivals because it's an environment where everyone's loving each other. Yeah. Whether or not they're all high or not may, may or may not be the case, but it's just a very friendly, positive place to be. And I think the problem is, Hamish, is that we haven't tested that with sobriety. Mm -hmm. There's not any events that you can go to where there's hundreds of thousands of people not on anything, not on drugs, not drinking, not anything. It doesn't happen because we're so used as a culture to flood those sort of events with drugs and booze, drugs and booze yeah. that it's unavoidable. Wouldn't it be lovely if you could just go to a massive event with 100,000 people and know that everyone was sober? I bet you'd have mm. that same feeling. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. Um, I get the idea of people wanting to be part of something together. Yeah. You know, you're all sitting in a circle. Let's all eat this mushroom at the same time. We'll do the eat at the same time. I, I understand that that's like a group thing you want to feel yeah. together. Um, and, you know, like you say, it's it's a very easy way of being rebellious. Mm. You know, if the first thing that you do to say no to you, you to piss off your parents is have an alcoholic drink. The drug is that the next step. It's the next box to tick, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Particularly when you first move out of home, when you first go on your first trip, your gap year, wherever it might be, moving away to uni. I can understand how it's another like, fuck you, parents. Yep. I get it. If, you know, there's a lot of bad things to do with drugs. One of the ways that they are used positively, like medicinally, is this idea of expanding your mind or reaching places that you didn't think possible in your sobriety. That's why they use PTSD or psilocybin use it as well. So I, I can understand 
the positive side of it if it's taken in a controlled way. Unfortunately, most of the time it's not taken in a controlled way and it's not taken to expand your mind. It's taken yeah. to get off your nut. And also it's given to you by somebody you don't know most of the yeah. time, which is another risk on top of that, of course, isn't it? Yeah. From a dodgy dealer who, who's laced it with rat poison or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. also it, it, interesting to talk about the, the different rules in different countries. Like in England, if you get caught with a bag of Coke, it's a slap on the wrist. If you get caught with anything in Australia, you have got a court date. You are yes. literally going to court. There is yeah. no getting out of it. Yeah. They're, they're much less lenient. And also, like those risks at a young age, that could end up ruining your whole life having a, a criminal record for, you know, having a gram speed or whatever mm. it is. You don't don't think about that at yeah. those young yeah. ages. You just don't think about the consequences. I never thought about things no. like that. Well, maybe that's what England's doing wrong. The amount of times I've been to clubs and my friends have been patted down on the way in and they found drugs and they just take your drugs and go, yeah. oh, you're still allowed into the club. There's no escalation. There's no real consequence other than, oh, that was money that I spent and I can't do the thing. Yeah. What about you? What were your positive experiences? Well, it feels weird to even be talking about positive experiences. I guess it's important to speak about it because anyone that has done drugs or has drunk alcohol, there were good times for yeah. sure. There were a shitload of bad times. But I guess, yeah, we, we can talk about both in this environment. And I think it's important to say that Hamish and I, we're talking about this because it's a conversation that two friends would have. And mm. Hamish and I are friends. So we're going to talk about it. And the reason we talk about these things is to take away those stigmas and you know, if you do have a problem with it, make it okay to chat about it with a mate or whoever you want. We know that it's a toxic subject for some people and people don't want to approach it because it is illegal. But that doesn't mean to say it's not going on. And if it's going on, we're going to talk about mm -hmm. it. Absolutely. Yeah. I liked when I was, you know, used to go to raves and house parties and things, as you did. I liked the oneness of it. I loved the music. Mm -hmm. I loved peeking to those crescendos yeah. and asking people in a toilet if they'd come up yet. I used to spend most nightclub nights in a toilet gurning under the hand dryer yeah. with somebody I'd never met before. Yeah, tell them how much you loved them. Yeah, mate. tell them how much you loved them and then you'd come out and then it'd be daylight. Yeah, <laughs> it'd yeah. go on all day. I topped up all my drug taking with alcohol, which probably didn't help, but it meant I could stay awake longer because with drinking, I'd probably like be in bed by one or two o'clock in the morning. But I loved those crazy escapades that drug took mm. me on at the time. I used to go out on a Friday. I'd come back on a Sunday after doing a mushroom hunt on, you know, on the Yorkshire, Yorkshire Downs yeah, or yeah. whatever. There's so many weird adventures that it took you on. I'm not saying that's good, but it was just a part of my life. It was often cheaper than alcohol, which was obviously a benefit when I was a teenager. Teenager. That is a big thing that needs to be discussed, actually. Yeah. Because a pill was a tenner when I was at uni. 15 quid for an year. Okay, 15, mm. $15 all, which was so much cheaper than, and that's like the price of two pints. Yeah. So loads of people do drugs on a night out rather than booze because it's cheaper, which is pretty wild, isn't it? It is funny, isn't it? They just drink water all night. Isn't it strange where it's cheaper? It shouldn't really be yeah. cheaper, should it? Well, yeah. We spoke about that on a Prohibition episode, how yeah. booze is too cheap. If you would like to support the Sober Awkward podcast, we're excited to announce that we've joined Patreon. Patreon is a membership platform which allows you to give back for the content you love. By buying Sober Awkward a cuppa once a month, we can keep the giggles coming and continue sharing our sobriety message. By joining Patreon, you get access to Sober Awkward merch, extra content, special promos and loads more. Just find the link in the show notes or head to patreon.com and search for Sober Awkward. And together we can learn how to feel the awkward and do it anyway. I loved everything about the sort of drug taking scene when I was younger. I'm not proud mm. of that. It's just where I was at that time. I loved the dancing. I loved the clothes. I loved the cat suits and bum bags and skinning up spliffs in cars and all Everything, all the paraphernalia involved in that scene, I just adored it. Well, of course. We're impressionable. And let's face it, drugs are cool when we're that age. You think they the are. The rock and roll stars are yeah. doing it. The celebrities are doing it. It's yep. sort of naughty. Like You think drugs are cool for sure when you're that age. Yeah, I thought they were cool for a very long... I thought I was cool because I took drugs. And I thought that probably from about 14 to about 21. Yeah. I thought I, I could stay up longer, take more, be more awake, be more crazy, be more yeah, dancing, yeah. be more everything if I was taking drugs. And I thought that made people like me yeah. because I was this crazy party girl that never went to bed. Mm. But of course now I realise that people are probably looking at me going, she is off her tits. Yeah. She needs some help. She needs to calm down. She's going to die. 
Yeah. That's probably what people I thought. I can remember being like 15, like Pete Doherty is a legend. I remember not actually thinking, we are watching someone yeah. with a heroin addiction just go to shit in the public eye. Yeah, same as Winehouse. Yeah. Same Winehouse. Yeah. You don't really think about it. It's, there's some glamour to it at certain stages yeah. of your life. It's only when you get older you go, actually, there is no glamour to yeah, that. It's just yeah. someone escaping life and not feeling good about themselves. I often say, don't give a party girl a line of coke, give her a cuddle, because yeah, that's yeah. what I needed. Yeah. I didn't need another line of coke. I needed someone to drag me out of that situation and go, you are going to physically and mentally harm yourself with all the drugs that you're taking. I needed help, but I wasn't prepared to listen because I thought it was cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'll tell you what, maybe we sort of took different paths at that age when it was where a decision is made. When I was... 20 I started going out with a girl who did not do drugs so and she found them gross yeah so that would so, so be like good five and a half years of never ever doing anything basically yeah that's so, good certainly around them so I guess yeah it is who you surround yourself with often and often there's a path that you can choose to take like I always chose to take the darker path for yeah, me yeah and often those paths were presented to me in many situations where you go right you can do this or you can do this I always chose the rebellious path and that was part of my problem yeah but this was all back in the 90s and for you in the 2000s, Hamish, I guess this scene changes a lot. I know cocaine has become a more popular drug in the UK now and people take it when they're just going to the pub on a Monday night. Yeah, yeah. it seems the more available the drug, the more users of it there are. That's why drugs change and have waves of popularity. Yes, it's also about the purity and the cost. All of these factors create demand. Actually, I heard a podcast about this recently, about mm. how you talk about the purity or the strength of them. In terms of the strength of drugs, they are getting progressively stronger all the time. So you know, now people are not smoking weed, they're smoking skunk. And the yes. pills are str- and they're all mix of weirder stuff. Yeah. But they're getting more and more, you know, we want a bigger buzz. It's a bit different to your parents who recreationally did drugs in whatever, the 60s. Now it's like quite intense stuff like rocket fuel sort yeah, of stuff yeah. yeah that's quite scary in itself isn't, isn't it? it and also i think the other problem is i've been reading about that bath salts and i've watched a few docos on that as well it's that they create these drugs in factories in amsterdam and then it's legal because they sell it as something else so yeah. therefore it's legal until people get addicted to yeah. it and then they ban it but then all they do is change one ingredient in the factory and then they release it again yeah. so actually they just keep releasing stronger all these weird mixes of chemicals for people to get addicted to and it keeps coming out. So therefore more people are getting their hands on drugs and even if they don't enjoy a drug for a while and it becomes less potent because the longer they're taking it, there's always something coming onto the market that they will want to try. When we were 18, 19, it was methadrone, which was a plant fertiliser. Right. crazy cheap. Right. And doing that. I don't even know if it's around anymore, but that was... A legal, plant? yeah, you can well, buy they it call online. it all these different names, don't they, to yeah. kind of keep or it legal. Laughing gas, you know, laughing that's legal. Gas, yeah. You can buy that anywhere. What um, are the side effects of laughing gas apart from I laughing? I don't actually know. I don't know either, but I I'm sure inhaling anything like that is going to be. It's been around long enough for people to have done the studies. It was probably a bit like that amyl nitrate that used to be around. You somebody give you a sniff of that in yeah. a nightclub, you would literally black out yeah. for about three seconds. People used to dip cigarettes in it and yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. It is so toxic. Like imagine the brain cells that are being popped with that stuff. Absolutely. It's crazy to look back on Hamish how how irresponsible I was, mm-hmm. quite honestly. More young adults in Britain than anywhere else in Europe took cocaine in 2022 as availability hit unprecedented levels across the continent, according to the EU Drugs Agency. A report on the latest trends in illicit drugs use suggests that 5.3% of people aged between 15 and 34 in the UK took cocaine in 2022, the most recent year for which records are available. And that was during COVID. That's actually lower than I thought. Yeah. But only 5% of people between 15 and 34 did cocaine. But how are people getting drugs during COVID? They get sent in the post nowadays. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's funny, isn't it? Still, though, 5%. That's a lot, isn't it? I would say... More? Yeah, You would say more? I know, yeah, yeah. That's interesting too, yeah. Sometimes these stats that we get, don't take them for... No, well, you've got to forget we're not the norm, though. But we do look at right, we do look at stats from, like, you know, the UK Drug Agency. We're not just, yeah. like, taking them out of our bottoms. Mind you, how do they get those stats? Have they written to everyone? Do you do drugs? I'm like, no. No, fill it in on <laughs> the... It's like doing the doctor form. Yeah, yeah. Do you smoke? No. No, you drink certainly alcohol? not. Uh, yeah. No, never. Never, doctor. <laughs> Post-pandemic, it seems MDMA use is soaring. People are out and about and want to heighten the joy of being social again. I can understand that. Yeah, I can definitely understand why recreational drug use is gaining more popularity than ever before. 
But as we all know, Hamish, what comes up must come down. Now, we're going to talk about the bad drug experiences. And for me, I want to start off with something you alluded to earlier, which is the idea that you thought and you probably were considered cool because you did all the drugs. Now, having I'm now what so people start doing drugs, I know they're teens, and now I'm 20 years on from that. Particularly for us, it was the girls that I remember, like girls that did loads of drugs, like the cool ones who like mm. got the boyfriends. Also, there was also this whole thing about girls wanting to be like a bad boy. Quite a few of the girls in my group wanted to be like a bad boy, like who gangster, like drug addict. No, like had problems with drugs. Oh, okay. And actually, yeah, 20 years on, yeah, they were the cool ones when you're 50 and 16. Whoa, they did ecstasy when they're 16. And now they're like, they've got still got a problem with it or right. are addicted to it or going, I get a friend of mine going to rehab or, you know, whatever it is. It's like, okay, that wears off. Yeah. There's like, well, you're young and doing drugs, you're cool. And then you get to an age where most people are like, just phase off. You have kids and move on with your life. Yeah, and you and have the ones kids. that are still doing just yeah. sad. Well, also the one, the people that I that I know that still do take drugs have still got sort of decks set up in their bedrooms and like you know <laughs> buy mix mag every week and still got the posters. It's in the wall. still like living in the past a bit. And I think mm. there's a point in your life where taking drugs just isn't cool anymore. Yeah, like it's like actually you've got kids, you've got responsibilities. Having a drug come down is not going to help you, is it? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I kind of feel for anyone that did drugs because it made them cool and then couldn't let go. Yeah, because yeah, you're just doing something in, the, in a whimsical decision mm. when you're out with mates that could lead you down that path for a very long time. I also say for as many nights I've had that the drugs have added to the experience of the night. Yeah. I have seen drugs ruin so many nights out. Yeah. Usually someone um, yeah, can't get into a club because they get busted or someone, you know, they're sharing a bag of drugs and one person either does more than their share oh, yeah. or drops them, loses them. Oh, God, and then the yeah. whole night becomes, oh, I was so annoyed because they lost the drugs. Yeah. And, oh, fuck it, let's just go home, the night's ruined. Yeah. Okay, what? Like, it's something as small as that can ruin a night yeah. out. I've seen that so often. And it's like a reliance on the drug. The night depends yeah. on the drug yeah. then, and that's addiction as well, yeah, isn't yeah, it? yeah. Yeah, I've often seen that where people on TV shows and stuff where people lose the baggie and it kind of ruins the night. And for me, sometimes I would often be having a good night and someone would introduce the idea of drugs and would all go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the bits of the good night were always before the drugs had been consumed. Those were the bits that we remembered and we had a laugh. And as soon as someone got a gram of coke in and it became like, I just want a line, Mm. I want a bigger Mm. line than everyone else. And you become really greedy with it. It's a horrible thing. It's a horrible look. Also, yeah. I think in, it can cost you friendships in that they're the friends that you only ever did drugs with. Yeah. And then you, you stop doing them. You're like, oh, like, we don't have a lot in common or they're a danger person to hang out with because I know that I just want to do drugs and yeah. I don't really want to do drugs. So, yeah, like, it can cost you friendships in that way as well. And that person ends up really isolated and having a bigger drug problem than before because they now haven't got any mates and they're just doing drugs on their own. Mm. Oh, there's so many slippery slopes here, aren't for there, sure. Hamish? For sure. What um, about you? What, what other downsides do you oh, have? Oh, there were so many downsides yeah. to my drug taking, I must say. I mean, I was lying to my parents a lot. I once took so much speed that I passed out on the floor in a room. I don't know how long I was there for. I could have mm. died. The biggest downside for me was that my need grew the more that I did it. So I'd do it mm. on a weekend. I'd take a pill. Then the next weekend, I'd take two pills because yeah. I hadn't hit the mark. The third weekend was three. It got to the point, Hamish, I am going to admit to you and I'm going to shock everybody mm. out there that one night I went out and took 10 E's. Yeah. So that point in my life is a huge turnaround point for me because I actually had an overdose. I actually overdosed on ecstasy. I don't know whether that's a common thing. Mm-hmm. Write to us and tell us if, if that's happened to you. But I kept wanting more and that led to me overdosing and never actually taking drugs ever again in my life. It was actually a good thing that it happened because I may have gone on to have a bigger issue with it Mm -hmm. because I'm that sort of person. So it, it actually led to a total mental breakdown. I was at home with my friend. We'd been out for 24 hours. It was my birthday and I had some money from somewhere and I went and bought all of these drugs and we took them all in one night. And I thought I was dying. I thought I was swallowing my tongue. And I was going to my friend, like, call an ambulance, call an ambulance. I think I'm dying. And then from that day onwards, for a year, I was in an absolute state of anxiety Mm. to the point where 
my toes were curled inside my shoes 24 hours a day. Really? And I used to have to think, uncurl your toes. You're... So I went into a state of anxiety that wasn't escapable. Mm-hmm. I woke up in the morning and felt like I was having a panic attack until the point that I went to bed. And I had to call my parents and I had to tell them I've done too much ecstasy. I'm not mentally well. You need to come and pick me up from Brighton. And thus started a year of me trying to get better and being I didn't drink, I didn't smoke, I became fearful of everything and in fact I didn't even leave the house I became agoraphobic and it was an awful time for me Mm. and it was caused by the escalation of my drug use my recreational drug use that I thought was funny and I thought made me cool it made me extremely ill to the point where I wanted to kill myself and that's mental isn't it and we're saying oh ha ha yeah it was fun it was fun but it's fun for a bit you know Mm -hmm. it doesn't last and it certainly didn't last for me I was extremely unwell and it must have been very very awful for my parents to witness this daughter that they knew who was very confident and very happy be sat in a room on my own unable to leave the front door you know the front door was my nemesis back in the day Mm. I had such anxiety that I couldn't even walk out the front door and I isolated myself from all my friends and I tried all sorts of things to get better eventually funnily enough I didn't want to take antidepressants because I felt that was just another drug I was fearful of everything I mean, I did all sorts of things. I did hypnotherapy. I did some alternative things then, some alternative therapies, because I just was so desperate to feel normal again. And the only thing that worked in the end was some antidepressants and some cognitive behavioural therapy. Oh, really? But I never, ever took a drug again. I was 22 years old, and that was it for me. I saw the downside. I had a year-long come down, which I almost didn't get back from and now drugs scare me if I'm honest with you that's what I was saying to you earlier it was good that you were afraid of them so early on I wish I had been more afraid of them I know what they can do and it is a psychological mind fuck that is one of the things that seems to happen with drugs more than alcohol is you have a really bad experience and either you give up drugs altogether or you give up that drug like that happens a lot to people whereas of alcohol you know you have millions of terrible experiences and you still start continue drinking it's funny how you sort of design to forget the hangover but the drug induced psychosis is something you you can never get back from because you know you don't want to go there again because i felt if i ever did i would not survive it yeah yeah i i've never you saying that i've never really thought of it from a parent's point of view you know, I am not anti-drug in the same way I'm not anti-alcohol. I don't really mind if anyone does anything. Yeah, do people com- have to do what up. they like. Yeah, yeah, I don't judge anyone for doing any of the things. I think, yeah, go, go for it. You know, you know what's best for you. But I, I've never thought of it, you know, if I knew that my kids were taking drugs, oh, yeah. I'd be pretty scared because... I'd be scared too. They, they're not going to be doing it in the house. They're going to be doing it out on a night out yeah. and you're very aware of, of what that could mean consequence-wise. So, yeah, I... I feel for your parents seeing you change like your personality change off the back of one bad night out it would have been frightening for them to see because I I remember my face was ever so pale I looked scared all the time I was scared Mm. I was living in fear in deep fear and I couldn't see a way out of it and it would have been awful I remember my parents had to hold me down once because I thought I was going to jump out of a window not because I wanted to but I was psychologically un capable of making any any smart decisions mm. it was lucky we lived in a bungalow at the time but <laughs> jumping out of Just a window scrape your, scrape your shin <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah i am so scared of not coming back from those kind of trips drugs for me are too risky hamish yeah so for me when i when i first told people that i was going sober a lot of people said to me does that include drugs? Mm. It, like, it was a question I got asked all the time by my friends. Oh, if we're going on a night out, would you? And I didn't really know. I didn't really have a clear answer. Because I thought, well, you know, sober is just alcohol. Is sober, sober drugs as well. And actually now I am, we gave up in July. I haven't touched anything. Uh, I haven't set a rule. I'm definitely not. I definitely am. But for me, for now, I've not touched anything. And that feels like the right thing to do. I'd, I'd feel like I was slightly cheating. Mm. I don't think I would ever you do a drug and then start drinking again necessarily mm. you know there are, for sure there are party drugs that you would have on a night out and could lead to drinking and there are drugs which are certainly not party drugs which are from in my mind maybe more about expanding your mind or you might discover something or something creative whatever the reason you're doing it uh, it wouldn't lead to you having a drink 
either way, I, for me, I've gone. Nah, I'm not. I'm not touching mm. anything. As long as I'm sober, I'm not. I'm not going to. Yeah. Um, but I can see why that line is great for a lot of people. It's so great, and it is it is because you don't. The problem is with drugs. With alcohol, you know what it's going to do to you. You know how you're going to feel. Yeah. But if you get the wrong drug, or you have a, or you're even a bad frame of mind when you take it, all sorts of things can go wrong. Like if you said to me, Hamish, that you were going to go and take acid this weekend, yeah. I would be absolutely frightened for you yeah. because also your personality is something that doesn't need to be dumbed down mm. or hyped up <laughs> you are very content very happy-go-lucky guy you've got no reason to take drugs i'm sure some people take drugs for sadness or for trauma or for all these different reasons but for you i can see why people would take them to expand their minds or have a different experience but for you i wouldn't see why it would be necessary yeah and i'd be scared for you because i'd feel like oh god what if he gets the wrong one or what what mm. if he doesn't work or what if he's feeling weird that day and it all goes wrong and i would be so worried yeah. don't if you ever do it don't ever tell me oh, i'll be like following you around like a maniac <laughs> with binoculars hiding behind things your finger up my nose yeah <laughs> yeah i'll put corks up your nose and up your bottom <laughs> don't put anything in there so we've had a little bit of a chat about this but why do people take drugs in the first place what is the reason I guess people do them just to relax, to be rebellious, um, to bond with your friends that are all doing them at the same time, at the same age, at the same stage of life, uh, to experiment. I think, like mm. you mentioned the other day, like wanting to try everything once. Yep. There's almost like you're 18, there's a list of drugs in your mind, you want to tick all of them off once just to say that, hey, I've... I've done them all once, you know, I, I can tell you about them all. So true. I was literally had a list when I was yeah. like 14. It was like, right, I've smoked marijuana. What next? Okay, yeah. I'm going to do acid. All right, what next? I've done that. I was literally ticking yeah, yeah, them yeah. off one by one. And that matters to you when you're 18 or 17. Yeah. Yeah. And now you're like, who gives a shit? Yeah, so stupid. Also, no, also I feel like as adults, you don't have that conversation. I've never, no. <laughs> in, in my 30s, turned to someone and be like, so, ecstasy, weed, yes. Mushroom, LSD, yes yeah. or no. You're like, no, I Oh, it. you're not cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's bizarre, isn't it? That it is cool bizarre. Younger. Um, I guess some people do it to, to cope with a problem. You know, yep. we mentioned different personality traits. If you feel like you're a huge introvert and you're boring, oh, if I do drugs, I'll be an extrovert and fun and interesting. Slippery slope again. All yeah, of these things are a slippery slope. Expanding is... your mind, you might want to do it too much. Bonding yeah. experience, that can become addictive in itself. Mm -hmm. All of these excitement, rebellion... All of these things are things that could get out of yeah. control. And it's all these things which we could literally be talking about alcohol. Things. We say things a lot, don't we? Do we? Yeah, I think so. I've listened to this podcast a few times when I listen back the and I think, heavy. I've got to stop saying things. <laughs> okay. The thing of the thing, it's a really moronic almost, it isn't, is, it? isn't it? We're going to learn about some things that are going to make some things make things so better. we talk about science, <laughs> people think we're smart, but then we say things so often that aren't. Oh, no, these They're guys like, are these guys are thick. idiots. Yeah. But yeah, these are all... Things. Oh, no, I'm not saying things. You know what I mean? Like, we're talking about drugs, but we could easily be talking about alcohol and the reason that people stuff. get drunk. So, yeah, stuff. Stuff. Thing of me, Bobs. This is a podcast about things and stuff. <laughs> what are the risks involved, though? Well, there are so many with all of it. It's to do with mood, loss of appetite, or hunger can oh, lead God, to. Oh, yeah. yeah. I know people that have done drugs to lose weight. Yeah. People go through a breakup, do more drugs, lose weight and feel good about the way they look. It's toxic. So toxic. Yeah. I met a girl at the weekend who took so much MDMA when she was working in super yachts in Florida that she developed a stutter. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. I mean, that's a downside in itself, isn't it? Sure. Loss of appetite and hunger. Yes. Emotional distress. I mean, if you have a bad trip or if you go into any of this with a bad frame of mind, it's highly likely you're going to have a pretty rough ride. <laughs> memory. I remember you when I used to smoke weed, my memory would be gone. I was like a goldfish. I could never remember one minute to the next yeah. to the point where I didn't know what planet I was on, Hamish, quite honestly. Sleep patterns. Obviously, you miss a night of sleep if you're taking a hard drug. You might sleep too long, uppers and downers, mm -hmm. depending on what you're taking. Personal perceptions of the world or environment that gets distorted. I mean, everything's distorted when you're taking drugs. That's why it can induce anxiety because you don't know where you are or what you're doing from one minute to the other. Addiction, of course, any drug taking is a slippery slope into addiction unless you're extremely careful. Sexual risk, I mean, you bonding and things, yeah. People people's touch can feel differently yeah. on drugs, so therefore you become aroused and it can lead to you making decisions and you wouldn't normally make doing sober. doing drugs to have sex for short and absolutely the opposite, opposite sex. Yeah, and that's been going on for millions of years yeah. probably. Dinosaurs probably had sex while high on opium. That is a long shot. <laughs> Dinosaurs probably... Had sex whilst on opium. Vicky yep. Vanstone. Yep. Get that on a t-shirt. Go don't Google that. 
probably confident that their dinosaurs are smoking <laughs> opium. And they're, they're just things much. doing things, you know, sexual things. <laughs> probably. Those Tyrannosaurus Rex, you know what they were like. Uh, mental illness, of course. Yep. Yep. You're really risking that, especially if you're a bit wobbly already. Mm. And often people take drugs to make themselves feel better because they do have mental illness. And then it's, again, a slippery slope into feeling extremely unwell. And for me, it was panic attacks. I know anxiety is a huge thing nowadays. I follow all sorts of groups of it because I've had such a massive experience of it. And it is more prevalent in our society than ever before. I don't know whether it's because people talk about their mental health more or whether because, as you say, the drugs are stronger and causing more side effects. Yeah. All very similar to alcohol, the, all of these risks, though, Hamish, aren't they? I guess the only reason it seems so taboo to talk about drugs is because mostly they're illegal. It's almost like making the user a criminal. But let's not get into the politics of it today, Hamish, because it comes up with tax and criminality and it is too much for our podcast. Yes. We're doing taking enough risks talking about it already yeah. without involving the politicians. No, we don't want to upset the politicians no, listening to the podcast. Not. Now you've done a poll on Cupper. But what? Poll. <laughs> I've, maybe I just need to say poll for every episode, which won't let you say poll. Okay, just don't let me say it. No, but I'm interested to know. So you basically, you asked everyone whether or not it's okay to take recreational drugs, including LSD, mushrooms, prescription meds, MDMA, weed, etc., when sober. I'd be interested to know if the answers we've got through our Kappa website represent how the world would answer this. I think so. Yeah. I think they're pretty good. Well, they're all sober. They're Most all of sober. them are sober. So it is, it is from a sober perspective. Like, if you are sober, would you take drugs, yes. basically? Okay, so the, the first answer was sober means 100% clean from all drugs for me. So that was 43% of people. Mm -hmm. So that's a good number. The other answer is yes, it's okay to dabble occasionally. That was 15%. Mm-hmm. The next one is, I'm scared that the come down would affect my sobriety. That's 3%. Well, not many people scared of the come down. No. And the, third, the fourth one is, I think it depends on the drug. So that was 36%, Hamish. Yeah. So that's the second biggest answer. That's the second yeah. biggest answer. It depends on the drug, mm -hmm. which is I'm interesting. Not, I'm not surprised by that, actually. And the fifth answer is, can somebody tell Dave the techno rainbow dragon to stop following me? That one, was 1%. 1%. That's me. <laughs> I answered yes to that. I was laughing on my own in a room again, Hamish writing that. Yeah. That's a good answer, isn't it? Dave the techno rainbow dragon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so 1% have got a dragon following them on the okay, day-to-day so basis. Most They're people, in a psychosis. <laughs> most people say absolutely no, but a third of people are saying it depends on the drugs. That's the takeaway. Yep. Well, it's interesting. When I searched, Hamish, guess what the most dangerous recreational drug in the whole world is that came up? This is so awkward. Mm -hmm. I'm inclined to say alcohol, but I'd, I'd like to say something else. No, you're right. Uh, yeah. Alcohol. <laughs> trying to think kills, of something funny. Yeah, no, <laughs> nothing funny here, Hamish. Kills more people than the rest of the drugs of the world put together. And it's the only legal one. Madness. It's, that is wild. That is true, isn't it? Yeah. So in answer to all of your emails where you ask us whether or not taking recreational drugs is okay, Vic... How do you now respond now that we've learned all of this? I have to respond with my own experiences. And yep. I'm not, of course, going to say that this is the experience of everyone. Everybody is different. But for me, the loss of inhibition is too risky. It might lead to a drink. The downers and the lack of sleep could lead to depression for me. And also, I don't think you'll reap the rewards of sobriety if you're still dabbling in drugs, because sobriety is all about having this natural high. And of course, that is the opposite of what drugs do. Sobriety is also about being fully present. If you're taking drugs every weekend or even thinking about taking drugs, it is going to preoccupy your brain. And that was with me with giving up drinking. I lost that preoccupation with alcohol. But if you're still indulging in something that is taking you out of the norm, you're going to have a preoccupation yeah. with it, even if it's once a year. You'll be looking forward to being taken out of your own body. And I'm not sure that's a good thing in sobriety. If you are prone to addiction, I do think it's a, a slippery slop. No, I think slippery slops. I think slippery slops is more to do with putting sun cream on, isn't it? Yeah. Or slippery slops is something you do in the toilet. That's what I'm thinking, yeah. yeah. Slippery <laughs> slops sounds like the runs. I think it is a bit dangerous swapping one addiction for the other. I'm not a bit. I think it's very dangerous. In AA, they say swapping the bitch for the witch, yeah. which I think is an excellent mm -hmm. term because 
we're addictive personalities. Anyone that's over, been an overdrinker throughout their lives has a tendency to probably do everything else in the same way. So don't swap the bitch for the witch. Being aware and simplifying life when drugs do the opposite, okay, because that's what it's about. Sober is about no longer needing a substance to be happy. I don't want to top up my life anymore and I don't need anything to numb out. I understand this is different for everyone, especially those with deep trauma, but I'm not sure drugs would even help with that. I'm sorry, my dog's barking in the yeah. background. It's taking Agreeing away the serious... Sandy, shut yeah. up! <sighs> yeah, so I think drugs often can bury trauma, which I don't think is good either. A line at a festival, a dabble at the pub or a dab at an after party will most likely send your sobriety off the rails and your opportunity of having a body and mind free of any natural or chemical stimulant will be lying on the wayside like a used packet of Rizzlers. What do you think, Hamish? Do you think taking anything mind-altering is risking to sobriety? Well, I think at the end of the day, you know best. If you're addicted to alcohol, then dabbling in another highly addictive and dangerous substance is probably not the smartest idea, um, particularly if it leads to you having a drink, then clearly avoid it. Yeah. As a result, I think taking party drugs in a party atmosphere is playing with fire i think it's it's way too dangerous to be in that environment with an upper i just don't think that's that's the smartest way to do it really i think if you're asking people advice on that then you probably already know the answer absolutely right hamish yeah. if you're questioning it if it's going to affect your sobriety do not do it would be my advice because mm -hmm. there's a chance then you're going into the situation questioning it which means it's going to go badly yeah you're just putting a kind of a negative spin on something that you're supposed to be doing for joy. Also, whatever anyone's answer to you asking that question is should not be the reason that you do or don't do drugs. No, you can't be asking it other people. It can't be someone else's opinion. No, it can't be someone it. else's fault if something goes wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very heavy topic, really, isn't it? Because it is about personal choice, yet we have to highlight the risks on this podcast and we have to say to you, look, this is something that people do, yet we think it could destabilise your purity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We have to stick with our message on Sober Awkward, which is always going to be that your authentic self is enough. But it's, yeah, it's, it's a difficult topic, but it's super important because if, like me, this is a question you get asked all the time when you first go sober, it's going to come up a lot mm. people go oh yeah but you'll have a line or oh, you'll get yeah, you'll have a joint so it's good to sort of educate yourself and be prepared for it absolutely hamish not that we're educating you God. not that we're educating you we but we're just sharing educators. our opinions on it no <laughs> thingy thing 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 shall we yeah. go to the thing with a thing and thing it's because we can't think of words to say we just read the word thing instead the thing the thing i actually love this chat hamish I know having taken drugs doesn't make me or anyone else a bad person. I agree with the brilliant T-shirt I saw recently, which is nice people take drugs too. It shouldn't be shrouded in shame. And that's why we're talking about it. People know that this is part of our society and not talking about it isn't going to help anyone. Mm -hmm. We've got to get talking about drugs and alcohol more and more. So that's what we do on Sober Awkward. We try and talk about the topics that are hard to discuss to make it easier for others to talk about them themselves. Yeah, and unfortunately, sometimes drug taking is just part of growing up. Whether it's right or not is not for us to say. I guess it depends on the negative impact. Obviously, the entire culture, history and politics of recreational drug use is hard to cover in one episode. But we hope this overview has helped you make some good decisions about your sobriety. Yes, we don't want you going to make a mistake that will lead you back to drinking or risk you having a new vice that could mess with your mental and physical health. After all, we are professional party poopers on Sober Awkward and we truly want you to be just the authentic you that plopped out of your mother's front bottom. Yes, I wasn't sure where to put that in there, mother's front bottom. I'm not sure anyone wants that image. Yeah, that's quite nice. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yes, lovely. It's not natural. Or tummy. Yes, depending on the way that you were. Sliced out of your mother's yes. tummy. <laughs> out the belly button. That's better. Oh, <laughs> yes. By a stalk. <laughs> We would love to hear your opinions on this topic. I've written that, Hamish. I'm not sure I do want to hear people's opinions on it. Not on the way you were born. No, not on the no. way. I don't want to hear people's... Leave your mother's front bums out of your We don't emails. want birth stories. I was going to say we want your drug stories, but actually I'm not sure that I can answer all those emails because it's a bit of a ruckus, this debate, isn't it, about mm. drugs? So keep them, keep them to yourselves. Yeah. yeah. No, really, you can email us via our new website, excitingly, Hamish, yes. which is soberawkward.com. You can get access to our community. Everything is on there. So email us through there. We'd love to hear your opinion on this. 
What we will say is there's nothing better than whacking on some old house tunes, not for me, and mm. having a dance. We're going to do a whole episode on the sober dance rave after the Fatboy Slim gig, so get those ministry collections pumping and turn up the bass. Nothing like a sober lounge rave. Yes, I like, like kitchen raves, actually, myself. Oh, yes, I do like yeah. a... I am going to get a... I've got a smoke machine in the shed that we use for our Halloween parties yeah. I'm going to get some lasers we've got some of those kind of laser pens at the moment yeah, that we got in Thailand yeah. and I'm going to put some really loud house music on and dance around the living room I do love doing that I'm gurning <laughs> just think about it Hamish <laughs> I th- what were your favourite so you haven't really got any favourite house tunes then no because I was all about garage music so oh yeah garage is house it's the same thing isn't it well, it's still like wash drug music out. Wash no it, I can listen to Craig David without I've never I'd, Craig David Craig David's not garage Craig David is the the founder of Garage in my eyes. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I, I think we're going to have an argument. But my absolute favourite songs would be Flowers by Sweet Fem- Female Attitude. Oh, yeah, good one. Um, or Sweet Like Chocolate. That was oh, by Shanks and Bigfoot. That's a classic. What about you? I think mine was like Hideaway by DeLacy. I love David Morales. I love The Bouncer. Your name's not down. You're not coming in. I loved all the classic rave tunes, really. Anything Prodigy as well. Oh, yeah. yeah yes. Yeah. He I'm, died, actually, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Oh, terrible. I would have loved to have seen Prodigy live. Oh, I did see them once. Really? Okay, we'll end with a quote. So this one is from Tim Allen. Speeding is like drugs. It makes everything come at you fast. And when you go back to normal driving, safe driving, prudent driving, it seems boring. That's the danger of drugs. At first, it's intoxicating. But then the rest of your life, you're trying to find that very first time. And it never is the same. Yes, I guess that's what they call chasing the dragon, isn't it? That's it. it the, was dra- the, same... the dragon's chasing you, I thought it was. Oh, either. Dave Either's not good. Dragon, yeah. Anything involving a dragon is probably not good. <laughs> yes. But I think that's referring to my first ecstasy experience. experience. Yeah. It was really, really good the first time I take it, took it. And then from that point on, I was doing more and more and more to try and get back to that moment. And it mm-hmm. never happened. Yeah. You. you know the best drug of all? Friendship. Oh, yeah, that's sweet, Hamish, actually. It's cheesy, but I like it. I want to punch myself in the face. I can punch you in the face. Maybe we'll go and do that. <laughs> Instead of going out for lunch, we'll have a session of me punching you in the face. That's how I get my kicks these days. I get Vic <laughs> to punch me in the face. <laughs> Don't worry. The closest to a come down I can get. <laughs> yeah, that, is basi- that is basically a come down. Someone punching you in the face for 24 hours. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Don't take drugs. Don't, don't take drugs. <laughs> or other things. Don't take a druggy. <laughs> if you're questioning your relationship with booze, you're struggling to moderate, or your hangovers are causing anxiety, it might be time to reach out for some support. Yeah, just talk to a mate about how you're feeling, contact a local doctor, find an AA or sobriety group. Fix has got one. Yeah, just head to www.cupper.community. Remember, if you're questioning yourself, it might be time to seek support. Even though this journey can be awkward, it is definitely worth it. And if you've enjoyed the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to review it, rate it and share it with your mates. They have to share it with their mates? Yeah, of course they do. I'm not doing this for nothing, Hamish. Bloody hell. How do they share it? Hi there. I wanted to tell you about a podcast that I think every single one of you will benefit from. It's called Therapy Works and it's hosted by me, Julia Samuel. I'm a best-selling author and psychotherapist. I invite you into my therapy room where I speak to either a known or unknown guest. Topics range from the difficulties of divorce, a life-changing illness, to the struggles of motherhood. Search Therapy Works now wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com So, as you probably know, my comedy memoir, A Thousand Wasted Sundays, is officially out all my magnificent fuck-uppery in one awkward hit. If you'd like to get your hands on a copy, it's now available from all good bookstores. We always say all good bookstores, don't we? Yeah. Are, there, are there bad bookstores? No, it's probably ones with moody, moody what? sellers. Oh, yeah, really yeah. depressed librarian folks. Yes, yes, okay, yeah, good, yeah. Good. Yeah. So there are probably some, but we're only storing it in the good ones. It's only made it into the goodies. Yeah. You can also get it from all good online retailers. The print version and ebook are out now, and the audiobook will be available in March. I've been writing my memoir for five years. It will make you laugh, cry, and cringe, and hopefully inspire a few people to reconsider their relationship with booze. If you love the podcast, then I think you'll love the book, even if I do say so myself. Hamish has read it. What did you think? I feel like I know a little bit too much about you now, to be honest, Vic. Look, I really loved it. It was hilarious and surprisingly moving, but I feel like I've seen you naked in a literary sense. Yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, that's worrying. Yeah. yeah. From an emotional point of view, seriously, it wobbled my teeny-weeny wooden heart, Vic. Okay. <laughs> my teeny little wooden heart. Well, his, teeny little, his wooden heart is broken. Anyway, so if you do manage to get your filthy mitts on a copy, please do me a favour and head to goodreads.com and give me a review. Doing that will help me get it out there to those that need a bit of sober support. So there you have it. My story, unwanted warts and all. Come and get awkward with me. Not to be too demanding or anything, but seriously, go and buy it Yeah, now. go and buy it. Go and buy it right now. Yeah, don't just tell your friends. Buy it and then buy your friends one or two. Yeah, yeah, don't give them a copy. Yeah. Buy it, yeah. And you know what? Don't be careful where you store it. If you lose it, you can always buy another yeah, five. Yeah, buy another one. Yeah. 